0: Well, hey, good morning. It's great to be with you all. If you're here on site, uh, this is your first Sunday. You picked a great Sunday to be here. If you join us at home online, glad to have you as well. For those that are on site, I will be in the Connection Center, which is located to your left, right as you leave here today. Sometimes you show up to church, you've got questions. How does this work? You've got a different faith background, different church experiences. So that's what that time's for. But also, if there's things going on in your life that we can be prayer for you about or you just have questions, uh, we'd love to answer those as well. Now, uh, as a church, we're here to help you become fully engaged in Christ. Uh, at church and on mission. And so there's several ways to do that here at Eastern Hills. And so to, to help you in that process, we invite you to fill out the connection card, which is located in the seat back behind you. If you're the type of person who likes to do everything through an app, there's a QR code uh, to expedite that, that process. And then you can just turn it in as you leave here today. But there are a lot of great things happening in the life of the church. We recognize that on any given Sunday, you could be anywhere. Like today, uh, you could be recovering from SU's victory. Uh, Last seven seconds. Yes, 3-0. and All right. Yeah, that's good. Hey, that's a big change from where they've been as of late. So we'll take it. Um, And then also there's some men away on a camping trip. We had, uh, I think, 40 people participate in the membership class yesterday. So that's awesome. Yeah, we can celebrate that. We had, uh, uh, right now we're up to 75 new sign-ups for those that are jumping and serving in the church. So we can celebrate that as well. And if you're interested in being a part of that, uh, we have a volunteer training happening next Sunday. Um, You can also sign up today uh, in the lobby after service to find out more of the different ways that you can get connected. One of the easiest ways to meet someone here at Eastern Hills is just to join a team and to serve. It's low commitment, uh, but high, high, high. High return on that investment as well. Today we're continuing our series. Last week we kicked this off. uh, It's the series called We Are. In week one, we talked about God's purpose for the church. It's not really what is the church, it's rather who is the church and who is the church as as we are. Uh, And so we talked about that week. And then this week we have a guest speaker. Uh, Chad Shepherds is here in town interviewing for a position with us on staff. So we want to give him a warm Eastern Hills welcome.
1: Thanks for that Rob and thank y'all for making my wife and I feel at home comfortable just here on the road. So we're from Michigan, so the travel was nice and it was the smoothest flight of my life. So clearly the Lord has blessed this. Um, but we've had a great like tour of the area. we've had some great food, met some great people. so let's keep the good feelings rolling and dive on into some preaching. When I preach, I've got three goals. I want you to laugh, learn a little bit and for this to still matter on Monday. Laugh, because life's depressing enough, you should laugh a little bit. Uh, But learn a little, because first of all, we all enjoy feeling a little bit smarter than we were a minute ago, right? That's just a good feeling for us, like to know something. But also, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to God, like there's never a limit to what we can learn about him, because that actual learning process is what changes us. That's how we learn to apply who he is and how that actually changes how we behave. That learning process is actually a part of that transformation. And so when we go to preach and learn, that should be a key part of the process. And then finally, for this to matter on Monday, because the one hour we spend together today should affect the next 167 before we see each other again next Sunday. This stuff matters. Jesus matters. The gospel matters. It has a power all on its own that actually changes and transforms lives and maybe created something of a testimony in your own life. Like this gospel matters and it actually affects how Monday goes. And so we're going to hopefully accomplish all three of those goals. I feel confident about two of them. Uh, One, I've got a Midwestern sense of humor and we'll see how that plays in New York. So far pretty well. I got a Let's jump on in. We're in a series called We Are, you know, We Are the Church, like Rob said, and he teed it up last week, establishing the fact that the church is us, right? That Greek word ekklesia that is translated as church in the New Testament is like the assembly of Christians, and this happens to be our assembly of Christians. It's us, but now we need to talk about what we actually do, because it's not enough to know why we're here and like what we're actually a part of We actually need to figure out how that actually changes us, what we actually do in this process. So, Jesus' very last command he left us, which we read the bulk of, but I want to read it for us again just to make sure it's drilled into us, is this great commission at the end of the book of Matthew. Jesus says this Then, Jesus came to him and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and then surely I am with you always to the end of the age. By the way, I don't know if you caught that, but the promise of presence comes after obedience. If you're not feeling the presence of God in your life, did we obey first? Did we do what He told us? Because that's the order these things show up. That's for somebody. We'll keep moving forward. But the call of the church is this highlighted bit of make disciples, right? And if you've been around church since you were born or maybe you grew up in a Christian house or you've been at Eastern Hills for a while, like, you've heard this great commission. You've heard the go and make disciples. Like, that's something that we say a lot around the church. A fair question, though, how? Like, the idea it seems pretty clear Like, make disciples. Okay, cool. How do I actually go about doing that? Like, how does that, like, do that now? Because it might have been different back then, but how does that for us now work? I'm glad you asked. Because if we're going to make disciples like Jesus, we should just copy and paste his habits. So we're going to look at a story that kind of demonstrates how he goes about this for us. It's in John chapter 1, and this is where we're going to spend... The bulk of our time this morning, Uh, John chapter 1, we're going to pick up the action in verse 35. But we're looking at what is this discipling relationship looking like. So John chapter 1 fires off like this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God... When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Let's take a quick pause on this passage right here for a second. Jim, you notice what just happened? They followed Jesus, which means they no longer followed John. Now, I realize it's confusing, uh, but there are actually at least four Johns in the New Testament. Um, like, there's one that wrote the gospel, like the name John, the guy that wrote this gospel is actually one of Jesus' disciples. He doesn't refer to himself by name in this writing, but this John that's talked about in the passage is John the Baptist. Later, Jesus will say, this is the greatest guy ever born of a woman, which means he's the best person that's ever walked the face of the earth. From birth, God set him out on a call where it's like, hey, you're going to prepare the way for the Savior of the world. You're going to prepare the way for the Messiah. You're going to be the guy like out in the wilderness with the worst sense of fashion ever who's going to prepare the way for Jesus. You're going to be at the Jordan River baptized and symbolize this new beginning for the people of God that we're going to actually be a baptism of repentance to be actually going toward Jesus. And then he saw Jesus. He's like, that's the guy. And his disciples leave him. He does everything right. He's the greatest human to walk the face of the earth before Jesus. And he gets less popular. Following God might actually cost us some popularity. Just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean we're going to have the best Instagram in the world. What we have to be okay with as a people of God is the fact that we start to matter less the more Jesus matters more. He goes up, we stay here. He gets more famous, more popular, more people follow Jesus, more people get excited by Jesus. And in that process, we kind of fade. And that's how it's supposed to work. Because when you come to church, like if you walked out today and you're like, man, that tall, skinny drink of water from Michigan was really entertaining. We missed the point. If you walk out today and you're like, I don't know what else happened, but this Jesus seems really amazing home run. And that's what we're about as Christians. But the fun doesn't stop there. John chapter 1 keeps going. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Love that. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, And you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. Now, a lot of important things just happened, but we may not have caught the significance of it because we live in a different context than these people did. This is from the first century and in Israel. Uh, We don't share a geography, a language, a culture, or a time with them. So words and things mean a little bit different stuff to them than they do to us. And this is why we say things like we should study the Bible in context, which is a fancy way of saying we just want to know what the original author and audience meant. Like the people in the story, the disciples and Jesus that are going on here, like what did they actually think was happening, right? That's all this context process is. And we've got a lot of different ways we look at that. Context also matters because y'all ever got in a fight with your spouse because, like, you said something, but they didn't catch the meaning quite right? You're like, well, yeah, I used those words, but, like, I didn't mean it like that. And then she hits you with, like, a, well, it was your tone, right? And you're like, no, I didn't mean it that way. Or, like, maybe someone takes a text out of context, right? And you're like, no, 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 I didn't do that. Or, like, email, you're just not as interesting as you are in person. And it's just like, no, I meant this differently, right? And it causes some relational issues that you have to solve later, Also, the references mean different things. So we're in the Northeast, and if I said the phrase, the green monster, what am I probably talking about? Yeah, left field at Fenway Park. Now, if you're from the ancient world where Jesus was walking around and I said the green monster, they would think you're talking about a green demon that spreads the plague. Words just mean different things over time. So we've got to figure out what they meant with this, okay, rabbi and come and see, because both of these phrases are brutally important. Rabbis and disciples in the ancient world. First of all, there were not that many rabbis in Israel, at most maybe 60 in the time of Jesus, and certainly not many that traveled around. Jesus was like the top dog, uh, at least of the different kind of positions you could hold in this world. And they did not take a lot of disciples on, maybe six to eight, or if you're a real rock star, 12. And uh, some people know their Bible. <laughs> That's nice. We're gonna get along real well. But they did not take that many. And honestly, y'all, we would have, all of us together would have better odds of getting signed onto the Syracuse men's basketball team than for us to become a disciple of a rabbi. That's the steep odds we're talking about. And so they would just take the best. But also, the way that this relationship worked, uh, the word we have disciple is just methetes in Greek. It just means learner. And rabbi, as the passage tells us, means teacher. But it's not like school for us. School, we just like memorize a bunch of stuff, regurgitate it on a test, and they tell us we're smart. The goal of discipleship then was not just to know what the rabbi knew, though that was definitely included, especially their understanding of what we call the Old Testament. The goal of this rabbi-disciple relationship was to become who the rabbi was. Everything about them, behave like them, eat like them, talk like them, treat people like them. And so they would do this so much so that actually in some of their writings, talking about what this relationship was supposed to be, this phrase was to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. As in, you walk so close to him that when he kicks up a little like dirt as he's going, it ends up on you. This is so much so the case that they did not let them go to the bathroom alone because they would follow the rabbi in. Like maybe he's going to say a blessing. Maybe he's going to say a certain prayer. Maybe he has a bathroom thought about how to interpret scripture and we don't want to miss it. Thank the Lord that that is not how it works today. And that at least hopefully Pastor Rob does not have to worry about you chasing him into the bathroom in case he has a significant thought. But there are is something about this, and it's the invitation. See, when Jesus says, come and see, that's actually the formal invitation into a discipling relationship. Like, that's the official onboarding process to become a disciple. And that's not just like a, hey, you get a cool status. It's, hey, come be part of my life. When they're asking about where you're staying, it's not like, dude, you got like a two bedroom apartment? You working with a studio? Do you got a house? Do you live in this school district? Like, where are you at? That's not the question. The question is like, can we be a part of your life? And Jesus says, come and see. That will transfer. That we can do today. Something you should know about me is that I have two speeds either not doing it or 100% all in. Those are my only two options. And so the last couple of years with COVID and lockdowns and being isolated and stuff, I was all in on donuts. <laughs> and ice cream and baked goods and anything else I could find. Like I'm fighting this on two fronts. Right? I'm fighting dad bod and pastor bod. Like it's an uphill battle, pray for me. But I was all in on donuts. And it got to a point where my wife noticed and my beautiful loving gentle tender exuding joy wife walked up to me one day and she's like hey Chad pinched a roll and was like you're getting fat (laughs) since then I have run three days a week and honestly, y'all, when I started, I was real terrible at it. Uh, like, I could barely make it, like, a quarter of a mile. Like, it was awful. And it, even, like, a month in, like, I could still barely make it a mile. And I remember running around our neighborhood, and I was trying to get, like, a second lap in. And so I barely made it to, like, the neighbor's house. And I started, like, dry heaving on his front fence. And, of course, at that moment, he had to walk out. And he walked in, like, young man, you got to slow down. And I'm, like, I'm dying. Ugh. And that is how I met my neighbor, Ray. Uh, he does have some church hurt in his past. Apparently he went to a really like Pentecostal or Baptocostal something kind of church growing up. And apparently there was some injuries involving his sister during a worship thing. I don't really know how that worked out. he kind of like mumbled his way on through it. But like, so he's kind of like hesitant about church, but he'll come to church eventually. We're working on him, but. So pray for Ray if you think about it. But then I would just keep running and eventually I made it far enough where I could run a mile and then some other people at the church that I'm at, they're like, oh, you're a distance runner. We should run together. And they're way faster than me. But I was like, I mean, it's better to have friends than not. So I guess I'll go with you. And so we started running and then it started with like one guy and then just a bunch of other people just noticed that others wanted to run far. And as it turns out, when you think six, 10... Or so miles on a Saturday morning is a good use of your time. There's not that many people that find that interesting. And so you just find each other and you're like, oh, you want to run that far? I don't even care if you have no personality. It's just somebody to run with. But then all of a sudden, runners started popping out of the church like crazy. And so there's like about a dozen of us that run on Saturday mornings. But then these other people who, again, are all faster than me, and it constantly annoys me, but they're faster than me, started just like including others like just random people from around town that also wanted someone who was crazy enough to run that far with them. And then they started coming to the group. And then I remember these couple of ladies joined the group. Also, they're faster than me too. And then we were just like talking because after you run, you should stretch. It's a good idea so that you don't injure yourself more. And so we're stretching, whatever, and we're, we're cooling off. And they're like, oh, you all go to the same church? Well, I guess we got to show up. And so they came to church, And the last couple of months, they've been continually coming to church. And actually, while you and I are talking and having a good conversation just now, they're both actually serving at the church. But that happened because some other guy I ran with decided to invite them into our life together. They decided to toss out an invitation and say, hey, come and see what we do. I mean, there's something in common here. Uh, You might actually like this. You might actually get along with this. I mean, we're kind of entertaining, I think. You know, the runners and gross things you do on distance runs that no one else understands. We do. You can hang out. And they just included them in our life. And honestly, that's all evangelism is, y'all. It's just talking about what you care about. Like, we way overcomplicate evangelism, and sometimes, like, especially when we're trying to reach out to others, we're like, okay, I've got to have everything memorized. I've got to, like, figure out all the arguments. I've got to know, like, my first cause and ontological arguments. And we start, like, kind of fading away from it. We're like, okay, I don't know the Bible. I don't have it memorized. I don't have everything figured out. Like, ooh, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to do this? What if they don't like me? Uh, what, if, what if this doesn't go well? And then we kind of, like, lock ourselves in the back corner when all it is is just talking about what we care about. You don't have to have the Romans road and all of the New Testament memorized. Just be a person near other people. Here's what I mean. Uh, A while ago, the movie Encanto came out. And I've got two beautiful little girls, Junia, who is three, and Phoebe, who's one. And when that movie came out, everybody I knew that knew I had kids was like, have you seen Encanto? Oh my goodness, it's a great movie. It's got this great Colombian culture, like the Mircoles thing. Like it's got, it's awesome. The score is great. The story is great. Like Abuela, she makes this turn. It's awesome. Like you will love Mirabel. It's going to be great. Oh, the candle thing. Oh, there's so much symbolism. You're going to love it. And the music will get stuck in your head, but you'll actually enjoy your life. It's going to be wonderful. Months of that. And so I finally caved. We watched Encanto. Turns out, pretty good movie. But then, for the next several months, my three-year-old's five favorite words were, we don't talk about... That was my life. But y'all, that's evangelism for Encanto. Someone else noticed something about my life, had something that they enjoyed... And they were like, "Hey, you'll probably enjoy this too. I like this. You'll like it. Your girls will love it. Even if you don't like it, your girls will. So like you should really like check this thing out. It's going to be awesome." Reaching out to people is just that. "Hey, I like football. You like football. Let's watch the game. I like to run. You like to run. Let's watch the game. I like to quilt. You like to quilt. Let's talk patterns. Let's go to Michaels together." I love Jesus and I go to this pretty cool place on Sundays. You might enjoy it. They got free coffee. Whatever you got to do. I've noticed that if you uh, feed them, they will come. And so for people in your life, just be like, hey, even if everything goes terribly at this service and like whoever's talking bombs, I'll buy you lunch after. Whatever you got to do. But it's just inviting people into the things that you enjoy. It's inviting people into the things that you care about. Because what you just talk about what you care about. That's natural. It's how we behave as people. It's all it is. One more interesting thing that happens in this John chapter 1 passage. We're going to jump down a couple of verses to verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. That's another formal invitation into the discipleship life, into his life. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was born in the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one whom Moses wrote about in the law and about one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Now, first of all, uh, what Nathanael said here is as insulting as it sounds. Uh, the people in Galilee at the time had a very negative, we'll say, view of people from Nazareth. They considered it, if you could believe this, kind of like Israelite redneck, backwater, nowhere. And so this phrase of like nothing good comes from Nazareth is actually really common. It comes up again in the Gospel of John, and it's insulting. It's real rough. And Philip's guy, like Jesus is Philip's guy, and Nathaniel, his friend, just insulted him. By the way, Jesus returns it with some sarcasm, the next verse. Read it on your own time, it's hilarious. But Philip just got what he believes in insulted. Instead of getting in on that, he all of a sudden starts to sound a lot like Jesus. He just says, Come and see. Philip's been with Jesus for like one verse. But he's already having that effect where he starts to sound like Jesus. The way that Jesus drew people into this life, just inviting people in, Philip starts to do that too. So how did you come to faith? Were you raised in a Christian house? Praise God. First of all, raise your own kids as Christians. Also recognize that a lot of the rest of us did not have that. Maybe it took you an embarrassing amount of time to come to faith and it was a long process and there were ups and downs, left turns and like, you're like, wow, I don't want to tell anybody what I did over there. Uh, But then like there's questions and it was kind of like that C.S. Lewis model where it's like, I'm going to investigate everything and just see what I can find and see what's legit about this Jesus thing. See what these Christians actually believe and it was a long drawn out over years. Great. Make that space for somebody else. Work with people through their questions. Questions are good things. Doubt is not a bad thing at all. I think we should all have a little doubt at some point so we actually have to force ourselves to acknowledge what we believe. Walk with other people through that. Maybe you came to faith through a miracle and God showed up and did something crazy. Pray for that for somebody else. But invite them into that same process you got to experience You see, there's a fun come-and-see moment right around the corner for us as a church. In two weeks, on October 2nd, we're going to two services. We're making space for more of those people in our lives that we're trying to like bring to faith. So an easy, very basic like invitation that is just, hey, come and see what we're doing on October 2nd. There will be space. It's going to be a great Sunday. We've got a great lineup of things going on. It's going to be off the hook. It'll be amazing. There will still be coffee and everything else, but they will want to be here. Give them that basic invitation of like, hey, man, come and see what we do. No expectations, just just come on and see. Also, what will they find when they get here? Now, I don't know if you all remember what it's like to be a first-time guest at a church, but that generally comes with some anxiety, right? You're pulling up to the church. First of all, you're like, what's the address? Do, is this where I park? Uh, actually, on my way in this morning, I drove slightly down the wrong part in the parking lot and I had to kind of like do a reverse and then go back out and in it's fine. I'm decent with the directions, I promise. Um, but like, you get in and you're like, okay, you're a little anxious because it's a new place. You don't really know what's going on. You're like, okay. And then you come on in and like, there's no one in the parking lot, which is normal because, right, like that's not true anywhere else you go generally. But you're like, that's eh, fine, whatever. Uh, but then you get to a door and you got to open your own door. And you're like, okay, again, still kind of normal, but whatever. Uh, and then you get in and You're definitely trying to find things. You don't really know where stuff is. You're like, I think my kid goes here. And you go to check in your kid to a kid's ministry, but it looks a little light. Maybe there's not enough people there. And you're like, oh, no. Is my kid going to be safe here? I don't know them. They might be competent. I don't really know what's going on. Uh, What do I do with that? I mean, I guess I'll check them in so that I don't have to watch them for an hour. But I mean, like, okay, i will go that way. Um, but man, are they going to be good? Are they going to be good? And then you kind of like meander over. You're like, I think that's an auditorium of some kind. And you're like, I don't know. And maybe there's no usher there. And you're just like, okay, I guess I got to figure this out. Is this assigned seating? Like, is this where I belong? Is this where I go? Is someone going to walk up and be like, hey, dude, you're in my seat? Like, okay, um, cool. So like you sit down in one of these chairs and you got all this going on in your mind and like service starts, but whatever, you still got this. You know what you're not thinking about? Jesus contrast that with imagine that as first-time guests you get here and there's someone standing on that front sidewalk just like hitting you with a handshake and a smile that lowers that anxiety but you're like okay I probably belong here and then you walk in and like things are obvious where th- where you belong you walk up to the kids counter and it seems like you got all the rock stars there and you're like whoa you're better with kids than I am all right whatever like teach them whatever you want like and go and then like you can like see, like hear the sounds of fun off in the distance, and people are actually caring about kids in there. And you're like, awesome, great. And they go in, and then you walk over, and like, some, there's someone at the door, and they're like, oh, I can sit anywhere? Sweet. And you walk in, and you're like, okay, I wonder what happens in this environment. There is no telling what God can do with invited, included, and undistracted people. The difference in two stories is just volunteers. I lost track last week how many times Rob and Kristen and the rest like said, hey, we're making a call for volunteers, something like a dozen or two kids, ministry volunteers, something like that. Like fill in the gap, right? That could be key for somebody. Because you know what's funny about kids? Uh, Faith becomes real when someone besides your parents believes it. You could be that person for a child. You want to make kingdom impact? Kids ministry. There are no duds in children's ministry. First of all, you gotta be a little crazy to wanna hang out with that many kids at once. But also, there's no duds, only rock stars over there. But also being a greeter, being on the teams, being involved in this, everybody has a meaningful part to play. It takes a lot of people to make services happen. And especially in a way where like, if you feel like, oh, things are going well, dozens of people were involved to make that feeling happen. And so next week, two weeks. Maybe it's your turn to fill in a gap somewhere for somebody else and be a part of something that allows other people to undistractedly meet Jesus in this place. But also, don't forget those people in your lives that don't know Jesus yet. Maybe you've been working with somebody. Maybe you've been Praying your guts out that they would just kind of be open to a little bit of the conversation. October 2nd is an amazing moment to say, hey, come and see. Because that simple invitation could change somebody else's world. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are, what you do, what you're about. God, You are the best thing about life. You're the best thing about our lives. God, we desperately want other people to know that too. God, thank you that you modeled, Jesus, that you modeled exactly what this means to invite others into our lives, to be with them, talk with them, eat with them, teach, but also listen to them. God, sometimes it feels like a mountain just to work up the courage to talk to somebody else. Give us that courage. Give us that peace that only you make happen that lets us know it's okay even if this doesn't go well on the first try. God, give us boldness to step into what you've called each and every one of us into. And beyond everything else, God, help us to maintain and believe and hold on to that firm foundation of our hope and trust in you. There is absolutely nothing like getting to be one of your people. And so God, for that and everything else that you do for us that we recognize and the things that we even don't, thanks. God, we love you and we thank you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We say thanks
0: to Chad this morning.